can see it all there. And me, Oliver Barsby. Introduce yourself. <laughs> I get to talk now. Uh, hi, I'm James. Um, I am uh, the Boar film editor, but um, Ollie knows me more for just uh, bombarding his DMs with strong opinions about games. And so he invited me on to discuss my opinions on narrative games specifically, which I'm very happy for the opportunity for. It means I get to talk about a bunch of my favorite games. And would I say no? Of course. Who, who could say no to coming on the Warhog podcast? <laughs> yeah, be that, be that every single little podcast. <laughs> uh, oh, let's ask Reggie Fils May. No, he's a uh, he's. <laughs> hey, he's retired. Hey, he's retired. Get him on. Well, that'll be that. That'll be next week. But for now, we've got to uh, deal with James James Palmer here from the Boar Film. He he's a sort of the the back. He was the backup. Reggie was not very. Actually, no, we've not asked him yet. But he'll be next week. So for now, for now, we've got James. Um, but he knows a lot more probably about well, <laughs> you know, Nintendo don't have the best record with narrative uh, games, which we'll I'm sure discuss later. Um, but for now, we've got James, and yeah, this is us. Um, so James, we'll start with you. What what have you been up to this week? What, what was your? I know you've obviously you'll have been watching many films and all all that good film stuff which comes from the war film. I'm sorry for reducing you just to films at the moment, but um, what games you've been playing this week? If you played any games, uh, you could even reduce me further from war film because I've literally like because of how degree works really stacking up at the moment. I've literally watched no films um, recently. The last. <laughs> The last film I watched was watching the new SpongeBob movie on Sunday, and as a fan of the old franchise, um, uh, as a TV show as a child, it really kind of upset me how much it just disrespects <laughs> yeah, the three D nature of those films does not look good. I genuinely should not be this upset about a SpongeBob <laughs> film being bad, like, but it was just so apocalyptically bad in so many places <laughs> that it really upset me. It really managed to rattle me. So uh, that was um, that's the only thing film-wise. Um, Games-wise, for lockdown, me and my housemates have split on um, buying Skate Three together. So um, it's a lot of just like walking into the living room at random times of the day, and someone's just kind of done with work temporarily, so they're on Skate Three. Um, I mean, out of all really, the games, yeah, it's a decent it's, one. It's really difficult to actually get into the skating because it's actually so hard to pull off. Whereas, um, I think Tony Hawk's Pro Skater Four, which when I was in self isolation, um, a friend of mine uh, who goes to university in Leeds uh, posted that down. Uh, so I could pass the time then. Um, that is a lot more accessible than um, Hawks. Well, no, than Skate Three. So um, apart from that, I can't really say I'm the biggest expert with skating games. I never really played that much in my childhood. Um, so this is kind of a, a new experience for me. But yeah, that's um, yeah, that's kind of it's, why. Did you not want it's to... a new. It's a. It's not one. Go on, you. Did you not you want to get Tony Hawk Pro Skater One and Two, like the remake that came out recently? I've seen it, it when, when 
Four's been announced, hasn't it? So four is coming. Um, yeah, the there's a new one coming. Yeah, yeah. The collection for Tony Hawk's Pro Skater One and Two, um, I have been tempted to get, but at the same time, I just I can't be bothered. Um, yeah, I just can't be bothered to spend that much money <laughs> on it. So that's that's kind of the short and long of that. There. Bit of skate, you know. It's 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 a good game. Very fun. I did like it a bit. I I think I'm the same boat as you. I thought, well. When I compared it to Tony Hawk, I thought it was much more accessible. Tony Hawk, I've not played the new one, but everyone was so hyped when Skate Four got announced. I was like, "Cool," but it, it definitely impressed a lot of uh, video game players. So, all exciting times. Um, skate, we'll lo- love to see it. I love to see it. Hamish, what have you been? What have you been up to? What's been your game of choice this week? Uh, so again, it well, it's been a little bit. I've actually not gamed too much this week, uh, but when I have had time. It's been some Destiny 2, because obviously I'm still really into Beyond Light. I don't know why. I need to find a group of five other people that I know that play <laughs> Destiny. Uh, so far, that group of people is zero. But once I find five, I can do the raid. So I'll, I'll, I'll you know, yeah. give me like a month. I, I know I'll nobody who plays Destiny. Give, up, give me like a month and I'll have the confidence to like go on the Reddit and ask people to to team up with me this person. I remember if it, on the Xbox, um, there was like a when i had my xbox one um it's like a looking for group search function or some sort of function which i actually use quite a bit i think to play like fortnite which is quite cool um, I, I have a clan so like i i'm part of like a, like a youtube youtubers like destiny 2 clan uh so i might try and see if anyone on there would do it mm. but you know talking to people online scares me a lot you know <laughs> having the mic I, I don't do it so i'd need to get a headset but it's also like black friday so that might be the perfect time uh but then also exactly other gaming news i can now finally dab on all the other 10 year olds in fortnite because i got to level 220 this season so i have the cool hollow wolverine it's not the top level but it's the final level where you get something new okay Uh, so uh the final version is you get a wolverine skin uh that's all like hollow foil so it's like rainbowy and really look it actually looks really cool some of the other hollow foils don't look that interesting but the wolverine one is is choice and now yeah as i said i can just go and you know, crank nineties on some ten year olds and be like, "Screw you!" <laughs> I play this game a lot. Hey, love, love to see sticking, sticking to your values, sticking to your guns. There, you know. Yeah, but I think that, that's all I played. This yeah. Destiny Two and Fortnite. I can uh, also flex this week with uh, my PS Five again. You know, we we talked about it a bit last week, but I think because obviously we do our we record our podcast on Thursday, so when the PS Five yeah. first arrived in my house, you know, it just literally arrived and it would. I just started setting it up and downloading the games and starting playing it. So now a weekend, a weekend, I can finally say, you know, the PS5 is pretty good. The uh, the yeah, controller, which I've got here, is Ooh, the best thing about okay. it. It's the best thing about it. You know, Miles Morales have finished it. It's fine. It's good. It's better than good. You know, it's very good. It's it's, it's one of these games which suffers from the first game being equally good. Um, it's a bit short as well. Like I've already finished it, which is, is I'm not actually put that much time in it. 10 hours long. There's more stuff to do, but it's quite short. Um, Astro's Playground, best game. Best game for PS5, and it's free just because of how fun it is. But this controller, honestly, there's a kind of, it's kind of a meme to say, oh, yeah, you can't, you know, you can't, you can't explain why it's good. But like, it's one of these things where <laughs> everyone knows that it's got haptic feedback and it's got these triggers which like they can like fight back against you and stuff. But until you actually hold it and you, you crash into a, car or you crash into a building on um watchdogs legion and you're like oh i can feel where the car actually impacted the wall on my controller 
Or you're like me, where I crash into people by accident. They just walk out in the middle of the road in front of you. Yeah. So you feel that when you bump somebody, they just go under your wheels. Yeah, exactly. So it's 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 very it's been very fun. Um, and I've also foolishly bought Black Ops Cold War as well. 125 gigabytes. I'll be trying that out tomorrow. 125 gigabytes for that game. That is an an inexcusable amount of uh, storage. That's a quarter of the total space you have on the PS5, right? (laughs) I've used like a third of it already, and I'm just, just like gone. crying because I'm like I've got three, I've got like four games installed. I've got Watch Dogs, Spider Man, Astro's Playground, and now Call of Duty. But I'm probably gonna uninstall Watch Dogs Legion. I was gonna keep it for the multiplayer, but then it got delayed. Like everything has been delayed this year, so I'm like, right, cool. Well, I yep. guess I'm gonna enjoy this. Well, I need to still play Watch Dogs Legion. It's still, I'm gonna say it. I've, I've said it like 15 it. times. I. I, not just finish it. I need to play it. I've played like t- I've played like ten minutes of it since we last since like it came out after that first week. Disgusting. So, uh, Great game. Everyone should play it. Yeah. Well, it's uh, one I'm I mean to about... get to as well. I've heard you should. All these talks about this game yeah. frequently. You know, as far, as far as open world games goes, well, as far as games set in the UK go, it's pretty good. You know, yeah, I, I've been craving it. Yeah. How many others are there? There was um. There's a few out there. There's like uh, I mean, you can if you count Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Uh, Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Old school there was GTA. The, um, Assassin's Creed. Yeah. I was gonna call it Victory, but it was a Syndicate. Syndicate, yeah. There's old, yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, Horizon, Forza Horizon Four, I think. Yeah, there's a there's a few out there, but this this is a very you know if you know London, you'll be you'll be well at home. Pokemon Sword and Shield. <laughs> the, the less said about that, the less said about that game, the better, you know. Yeah, I mean, I still need to play the DLC on that game. I will eventually, probably over the Christmas break. I will break, not, a few games I will I not be to. playing that. No, I mean, I've paid no. for it. I might as well at this point. Yeah, I, uh... the money's been spent. Uh, so, Ollie, before we get you drowned in the sadness of that you've got a sword and shield why don't we get into the news uh so why don't you kick us off with our first news story yeah well i've been talking about how uh the, P- the ps5 is so good and you know next gen so good and so good but now we're, we're going to talk about how why the next gen is not being so good so yeah. it's been it's been a good few weeks since the ps5 and the xbox series s or x have been out and it's they're still really really buggy you know so the playstation yeah. 5 has had quite a few bugs at launch that's, that's putting it lightly um just to list a few off the top of my head like the rest mode feature doesn't work um the dual sense controller is a bit messed up about connecting to the con- the console in general there's a really weird bug where if you try and put in a ps5 game it might just go yeah i'm going to download the ps4 version instead um <laughs> or interestingly my favorite one is i if you want to play a ps4 game from a disc you put in that ps4 game it tries to install a ps no, if you're trying to play a PS5 game from a free PS4 upgrade, if that makes sense. So if the Watch Dogs Legion, you got a PS4 version, and you're trying to use it to play the free PS5 version, you put in that PS4 disc, and every single time, no matter if you've got the PS5 version downloaded, it will try and copy over the PS4 version. <laughs> so every time okay. I play my Watch, my Watch Dogs PS4 disc, it will try and install the PS4 version, and I have to manually stop that installing. <laughs> I'd be like, no, I don't want this. Stop I've got the PS5 version. Stop it. There's, so that's a few of them. You know, the the Xbox Series X and S have had some quick resume issues. Um, you know, there's been some other issues of the frame drops being struggling with running certain games. Yeah. Um, you know, there's been various various issues with like consoles just bricking, not connecting, 
having to reinstall. And it's, you know, it's quite quite sad to see, uh, but not unexpected that these these machines are sort of they're, they're a bit buggy, a bit glitchy at the moment. People spend four hundred fifty quid on them. Um, and it's a bit, it's a bit sad to see. It's bumming me out a bit. I'm, I'm lucky. I'm touching wood. That was me. If you heard me bang there, touching my desk made of wood. The, nothing's happened to me properly yet. Um, yeah, whether it's I, saw, yeah. I was writing about stuff like this earlier in the week. Uh, I might have even been last week. And it was like uh, there was one thing where like trying to download PS5 games, it just wouldn't download your game at all, and it would it could potentially like yeah, wreck your console just, just trying to download. It just goes into a queue game. and then never yeah. installs. I saw uh, so that, they had to do that and you know you're right it is a real shame that these things happen i mean it's to be expected you know new hardware of any kind is always a little bit glitchy and particularly it's a pandemic and i feel like because they came out you know this november probably they weren't really delayed that much I, uh, I yeah I, th- I think the general consensus which you know these interviews with phil spencer and um jim ryan from playstation have sort of it seems that these consoles haven't really been delayed. They like might have had like a week's delay, but yeah, like really minor. Yeah. And so you're gonna get, you know, that maybe that last few months of trying to tweak everything, make sure the firmware and software's up to date and you know good up to scratch what you'd expect. You're gonna lose some of that because everyone's working from home. There's gonna be disconnects. There are probably a few weeks of people off. You might have had to furlough people. You know, all these big, you know mess of this uh you know i can't remember what it's like mess of factors that will lead to slightly yeah, messy it's, launch. It's, it's impressive enough that they've even released this console i think that's the that's the one thing which everyone's sort of been like you know we'll give you a pass for this you've managed to actually release this it's got a few problems a few crashes here and there yeah. credit to you james as someone who you know you don't i you know i'm not making an assumption to that, i don't think you you got a ps5 or an xbox series x did you uh, oh, is this... I, I I can't be bothered at the moment yeah. to get one of them again. Like, <laughs> if I'm not going to invest like, the money, is it putting you? If off? I'm not going to invest the money for like Tony Hawk's Pro Skater One and Two, then I'm sure as shit not <laughs> buying a PS5 or like an X, or Xbox One X. Like, what, like, what would the, the... what would it take for you to buy a PS5? You know, um, what's if... what's the thing? Okay, if someone messaged me and said, if you see your feet. I will get you a PS for an Xbox One X of your choice, then yeah, fine. I'll do that deal with the proverbial devil. But I think in any other scenario, um, for now, for the foreseeable future, no. Like there's no in my mind, there's just no point. Um it's an interesting point that you made about whether um whether we should necessarily be giving a pass for the fact that a, a console was released, right? It reminds me of um the mighty number nine came out and everyone said oh, it was yeah. really bad and then the creative director said hey it's better than nothing and everyone was just like oh, i'm not sure about that one <laughs> yeah it's like yeah i mean good enough excuse look the the prices of these are going to go down over time and the quality of not only the consoles themselves but also the games are going to go up over time and i'm not sure i feel like to buy um, a PS5 or Xbox One X or S at launch, then you have to be either someone with a vested interest in the games industry, such as the hosts of this wonderful podcast, or you have okay, to have, have more. Uh, oh well, or you have to have more money than sense. Um, I think is kind of the two categories of people buying um, these consoles at launch because 
the old ones haven't gone away. I mean, when I had a vested interest in the games industry when I was 13, yeah, I got a PS4 at launch. It was really good fun. Um, I loved the excitement of Christmas Day, opening it up, playing all the new games and experiencing kind of this technological leap um, for the first time that I can remember. And so fair enough um, to people like um, having that kind of moment of um, technologies advancing again and having that moment of wonder of seeing it progress again um uh, you know it's a lovely thing and hopefully many 13 year olds will find as much <laughs> as in enjoyment as i did back in the day right um but i think yeah. and now now that um i have to uh buy these things myself and not rely on my dad's wallet um i i probably need to be a bit sensible and leave it for a bit yes <laughs> unfortunately, yeah, unfortunately no. for those 13 year olds i don't think many of them got ps5s unless their parents were right on the ball when those pre-orders opened yeah, be, I think well, like, thirteen-year-olds yeah. on the ball with these kinds of things. <laughs> There'll be a lot of disappointed well. children at Christmas. This was even I mean, worse I'm not than it be was because I've already decided. Launch, right? You might get with PS4s. Well, I think with the PS4 launch, there was kind of like this similar level of scarcity. Mm. And you know, yeah. um, shout out to Matthew Palmer, right? He he stayed in queue <laughs> at game for 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 me and my brother to make sure that we got uh, got the console. So, you know, big up. Um, they can't. They can't do that anymore. You know, all the stores are closed. They're all yeah. With not with essential. coronavirus as well, it making is a travesty that game is classed as non-essential. Yeah. People like me, it's. I mean, I don't. I don't buy anything again. But I like visiting. The, the game store is dying anyway, so yeah. it'll take. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, yeah. it'll be gone. They'll take whatever here. excuse they can get. It's it's not to do with lacking sales. It's entirely coronavirus. We blame yeah. the UK government. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you know, I I've just I think at this point. It's, I'm going to try and get my hands on one of these things as soon as I can, but yeah, it's just one of those things, I don't mind, you know, I can wait out, seeing all these articles about how they're breaking and ever, that actually fills me with a little bit of joy, it makes me feel like uh, I, I made the right decision, and you know, I, I maybe I, I've delayed my own buying of them a little bit further, I mean, I, I dropped like a <laughs> £200 on Lego last weekend, because they were doing like a Lego <laughs> VIP weekend, <laughs> so you know, that's probably oh, delayed that's me getting a playstation 5 and xbox a bit further it's for two lego sets that's they're, they're pricey things lego sets. yeah i got okay i got two really cool ones i've got the the uh, razor crest which is the ship from the mandalorian okay and then also this is gonna sound weird but i i kid you not it's an 18 plus lego set uh it's a lego set of one two three sesame street and it comes with a little elmo a little big bird it comes with burton and that was uh, like a hundred pounds or something yeah, but they're really cool. I'm really excited for it. It also came with like a few extra goodies because it was like a, a deal nice. weekend. If you buy this, you get like extra points. Okay. Uh, you can get like a cool extra few extra sets for free. To be fair, I completely back that, especially with um, think how Legos evolved when they've got those like stupidly big Star Wars sets, uh, among other things, which are really kind of, they're more like show pieces or like conversation yeah. pieces that replace like paintings or something in your house but you get the joy of building them as well like i've still got my That's, um my yeah. lego tumbler like oh, from, in my room i'm thinking of oh you got this from like the, the <laughs> little lego shop didn't in the in the uh lamington parade right yeah it's on the lamington parade you know shout out to the um the common thing where anyone who lives in lamington lives in yeah, I think it's called Brick in it. Um, shout out to them. They do really good custom Lego figures. It's just got a Shadow of a Hedgehog one for all you gamers out there. That's <laughs> cool. I think I love Shadow. Best, best version of the Hedgehog. Best one. 
before we move on to our next one, I've got one more question to ask about the PS5 to James. Um, yeah. I know you are a big fan of the Silent Hill franchise. You know, you you you, you talk, yeah, yeah. We talk about it a lot. If, like the rumors suggest, at the Game Awards, a Silent Hill either remake or a completely new game is announced, would that be enough to tempt you to get a PS5 if it's exclusive to the console? It would definitely tempt me. Um, but I'm not sure how resigned or jaded by the fact that nothing's ever going to really beat Silent Hill 2 I am. <laughs> this is something I've just kind of accepted as a truth, even with Kojima's Silent Hills. After I played Silent Hill 2 at like the start <laughs> this year, I did just think to myself, well, like it was never really, realistically, it was just never going to beat that game anyway. So like, I think this my Hill franchise has fallen so far downhill. Um, that if if it if it was one announced and two looked like it was going enough back at the roots with people who made the original games, Team Silent also so, involved on the project. It was not Konami who made it essentially. <laughs> oh, Konami published it. Obviously, it was Silent Hill Three where they really kind of started meddling with the franchise way too much. Um, you know, if there would have to be certain guarantees in place, and I, I, I'm not sure how much, how much I would believe like them seeing this at an event versus if I was in a room with the creative directors of the game uh, mm -hmm. and put them under a polygraph and asked them these questions about how the game was being made and and its quality assurances. Then yes, I would probably start <laughs> giving some funny looks to the PS5. <laughs> So it's a very specific <laughs> niche situation where you would get it. Yeah, I think the like what I'm trying to emphasize here is I'm very skeptical about these new consoles. And mm. just after you asked me, uh, like as someone who's not bought them yet, like what I think of them, I do, I was thinking like what games would actually make me want a PS5? Um, if they if they remastered Silent Hill 2, well, you know they did that for the PS3 and managed to muck it up because it's Konami, <laughs> like. Um, <laughs> Not sure what new games could really be made, or who I trust enough to make a new game that would actually be good and something I'd want to play is is the main issue. Like it's I don't be, want it to just be a, a long, a long stretched out process in terms of when the PS4 gets just no games get released on it, then then yeah. it might yeah. be. Sony have really convinced me um, for, uh, you know, I sent Ollie a text out this week. Um, the next The World Ends With You game is coming out on PS5 and or PS4 and Switch. Weirdly, even though even though it's coming out next year, it's not coming out on PS5 officially yet. But like that's convinced me to want to get a, a PlayStation console because uh, the, the the 3D graphics animation, the Switch will not hold up with those. Like if it was yeah. if it had been like the 2D style from the DS, I'd consider getting it on Switch because it's like okay, like this could probably get away with those graphics. But because it's 3D and everything, I, the Switch is absolutely going to be a worse version of it. And the it's, it's, it is always it is always one of those I don't want to say odd games, but like it's sometimes it's the random games which convince you. You know, I got PS4 because of Detroit Become Human, which people don't many people don't really like. I thought it was a good game, but uh, I mean we could yeah. talk about this later. Again, it's a narrative it comes back to a narrative yeah. game. And David Cage, David Cage will be a, a talking David point. Cage will be talked about. <laughs> that was what I got my PS4 for. Oh, um, okay. Well, should we really keep know. cracking through yeah. the news? Let's keep yes. going, let's keep going, now we are. Okay, because um, the next news story was kind of an interesting one. Um, and maybe it's like, still on this vein of uh, Xbox Series X and PlayStation 5. Uh, but it was kind of looking at 
the weird side of the PS5 for me because basically um, I saw the news today that Star Wars Squadrons is going to be getting 120 FPS support on the Xbox Series X but not on the PS5 and it joins the list of games like uh, Call of Duty Warzone and Rocket League which have also had like 120 FPS modes added only onto the Xbox Series X and it looks like the main reason behind that is on Xbox you just throw in a patch on the backwards compatible game Bob's your uncle, you're done. But on the PS5, you need a whole new game. Uh, and that's that's why you had the whole Spider-Man PS4 remaster debacle earlier uh, with this year. And so it's kind of just asking you guys more, like, do you think this is going to impact people preferring the Xbox Series X over the PS5 if they're a bit on the fence? You know, if they're thinking, I want to play the games I already have at the best version, do you think they'd consider going for the Series X? Or do you think this is something that's going to maybe be something that people at like the highest levels are going to care about but most people are just going to ignore yeah it's 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 um it's a really i think it's an odd thing because i you know my do you have 120 fps supporting thing um that's the question i I mean (laughs) oh yeah because yeah it would matter on your screen wouldn't it yeah because i don't i mean my one is not very good it's only 60 fps supporting so i'm like I'm like, eh, I don't really, mm, I'm not that fussed about it, but it depends. I, I don't know about 4K TVs. I think many of don't do, but it is an odd issue because, you know, I would have thought it would have been, if you hadn't, we hadn't gone through this and I'd read the article you sent me, I would have probably thought it'd be the other way around because um, Xbox sent their development kits to uh, like developers and all these sort of studios later than PlayStation did. Yeah. Um, so I, I would have thought they would have had more like, time. That's why there's... Yeah more problems on some microsoft yeah. games like some of them aren't exactly. enhanced some of them they haven't but, had yeah. as much time like i think assassin's creed valhalla is one which has had a few issues um so it's just an odd sort of thing where some games are doing better some games aren't doing as well and i don't really know the explanation i mean i guess you know xbox has this sort of thing of the games need to run on all these devices they need to be on the xbox series s xbox series x xbox one xbox one s xbox one x you know yeah good, well um, X Cloud, if they're cloud compatible, so there's all these games which have very different specs, very different um, sort of whether well, these consoles are different specs and stuff. So maybe it's just a matter of they've had to optimize it so much that they can they they're like more adapted yeah. to adapting. Well, I think it's, it, like a, it's a weird holdover from the reason that Fable, I think Fable Legends got cancelled. That was like the that was a Fable game that's been worked on for a bit, and it's basically what killed Lionhead Studios was because they were struggling to make it because it had to be able to work on the Xbox and on PC. It was when they wanted to make, they wanted to basically make the Xbox game platform like all in sync. Uh, And they were just like, this is too difficult. Whereas obviously now they've managed to really simplify the process. They've made it super duper easy. And now, you know, it's so easy that it's, you know, you just do one thing and then it's just a couple of patches here and there and, an update or two and you can make it really good on one console a bit lower quality on another and it all runs fine uh so it's kind of interesting how just over a few years i don't know when when did fable legends get cancelled like 2015 yeah probably a bit ago but i've got a new um, one coming 2016 2016 but it's interesting how in like only four years xbox have managed to take this idea that seemed really awful you know a unanimous like a, a single platform and they've suddenly managed to kind of make it work and it's easier for people now rather than it being 
the reason a game company loses all its money and has to close down. <laughs> yes, that's not not what we want to see. Uh, any game companies closing down in the future. Um, yeah, okay, well, I think with that all answered, you know, I just get, get Ollie's opinion, there's the PS5 owner here, uh, we can go on to another one that I also want to talk about, was like, when we think about leaks in gaming, and I guess, James, with your sort of love of uh, narrative games, this can be another one for you, because uh, this week uh, we've seen, I feel like, two biggish leak things. A lot of people have been releasing stuff about the upcoming Fortnite event, uh, which will re- which will involve Galactus. Uh, anyone worried about the leaks, by the way, we won't be talking about anything specifically. I mean, iPhone haven't even looked at them, so I wouldn't even know what to say. Uh, but there's a lot of stuff about Galactus people revealing, you know, these are oh, these are in-game images. These are voice uh, audio files that we're going to be seeing, um, all of that. And then in a similar vein, you've also had a leak of Cyberpunk. These, like, I think it was like two very seemingly high on some kind of substance uh, gamers playing through Cyberpunk and just like committing the worst sin on the planet which isn't leaking this game everyone's liked about uh, but just taking only like a minute on the character creation because if you aren't spending an hour on that making your character look right screen <laughs> you aren't a gamer that's that's the tell that's a big yeah that's a truth who are these people um, <laughs> but you know it's just sort of like this idea about leaks do you get really do you do you th- think leaks are cool because you know from like ollie you and i from like the write about games perspective leaks are at least a lot about what i write about you know the fact that this yeah, audio you, files come out or whatever talk about these things um go on james then, what, what's your opinion yeah um, i suppose first on the uh on the gaming sin of character creation spending only one minute there i mean Cyberpunk 2077 has proudly showed off the fact that it's got custom genitals in this one. So I'm surprised that I feel like that's one that's one of the striking <laughs> vipers kind of um uh ways by going, which I think the public may well um either get up in arms about or just gain a mild curiosity towards. Um and uh on on the subject of like leaks in general, um I think that, yeah, um, I hadn't actually really considered this from the perspective of kind of wanting to experience the narrative. Um, but I suppose this this kind of is the way that the proverbial cookie crumbles, right? I mean, for you guys, like, writing in the games industry, one of the things that's going to make the most clicks is new news about a game, especially if it's some sort of leak that we're not meant to know about. Um, and so the headlines themselves might even say, like, what the actual spoilers are. Um I'm not sure necessarily about how many publications kind of went through with this or kind of directed people towards the footage when The Last of Us Part 2 um, yeah. got leaked. That was um, the biggest, I think, the biggest gaming sort of spoiler and story leak, I'd say, of the recent memory. I can say my recent memory, The Last of Us 2, the big sort of, I'm, I'm, well, I don't want to spoil them here, but... Uh, I don't even know. You know. I, is that, well, I'm not going to spoil I, it, I still but... know nothing. I barely know anything about the first Last of Us Good. game. I don't even that's, know how that's that game That's why I'm not saying anything here. But there's some big spoilers, which did get revealed early. Luckily, I managed to avoid most of them. I think I might have seen one, but it wasn't the biggest spoiler anyways. Like, I, there's things which you find very early on anyways, and not the thing which everyone's thinking it is, a different thing as well. Um... Uh, <laughs> But yeah, there's, it, it's in these narrative ones, sort of what you said, Hamish, there about sometimes when there is story, like I'm always reminded of the big Star Wars, going to 
you know, film with James's forte here. Star Wars when um, mm-hmm. the Force Awakens came out, I got a bit of that spoiled for me um, about Han Solo. Oh, so being told about Han Solo dying as yeah, well, everyone thought it was really funny. I suppose. I got spoiled but, that. Kind of this reflection of the way we perceive like films and games about how maybe we all care a bit too much, especially when people get stupidly angry about like about people spoiling it. And it's like, you know, they wouldn't do this if they were met with silence in their reaction. Yeah. Um and like whether 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 we really want to discuss the ethics of spoiling something or not, I I couldn't care less because I think the more that conversation shines a light on people, the more they're just going to continue doing that sort of activity. It's a completely pointless conversation um, if you want it to stop it happening, right? Um, I suppose if you are kind of I think these days, especially with how connected we are, like um, so for Death Stranding, for example, because. I wanted I, I really wanted this novelty of just exploring a Hideo Kojima universe that just been crafted and for once I was stepping into it not knowing anything because I'd played the Metal Gear Solid games before of course with how famous they are you're bound to know like the memes from it at the very least um and kind of some of the story points in certain aspects of the game as well so um I think kind of the the real antidote unless you're writing about games in which case you just if, if there are leaks or not you just kind of have to take the spoilers because you've yeah. got to write about them um I suppose from from me being a casual consumer um I think that you kind of just have to shut off from all pretty much all social media and not search this stuff up um and to make sure yeah. that you actually you can mute, sort of you, you can mute things on a Twitter. I think I muted a few words on um, Twitter before The Last of Us 2 came out. I mean, I know people actually muted the hashtag PS5 share um, before the PS5 was released in the UK, because obviously there was a week before that when it was released in the US and other regions um, because of a staggered release. Um, so I guess that goes from spoiling, but I guess if we take it another the sort of before the spoils, because, you know, if, you, if you're spoiling games, someone has to have, before it comes out, that is, someone has to be the original spoiler or the original leaker. And I think the video game industry is one of these ones where there is a massive amount of people who are not, whether it's intentional to draw hype or marketing, you know, like guerrilla marketing sort of tactics, or just because they think it's fun or they're like, yeah, I want to get this out in the open. You know, there's a lot of leaking which goes on, you know, many of sort of things like the PS5 or the Xbox Series X, all the games which are coming out, there's always rumors or leaks or some sort of some sort of industry insider who will announce this before they they actually get announced at the sort of a conference or through an official thing. You know, the Xbox Series S console was only revealed when it was because it got leaked beforehand. And I think the industry definitely has a problem with leaking. Whether I want to use the word problem is a question, um, but I, I I am a bit fed up, fed up, a bit fed up of these smug. As a video game journalist, I'm not sure if it's just jealousy that I've not got this information. There's a lot of smug people on Twitter who I follow, whether they're insiders, journalists, going, oh, well, you're going to be excited about this announcement. Oh, I can't tell you much about this, but watch this. And I'm like, shut up, man. Yeah. I mean, I, I kind of I kind of like what you like uh, said, James, because it was, you know, I think you are right. There's an element of if people didn't have a big reaction to getting spoiled then probably people wouldn't do it you know that's why people do a lot of things online it's like you know they love spoiling some film or video game or whatever it is and because they know when they do it someone's going to get really angry at them and it will 
it will probably get you know these two guys that shared the cyberpunk stuff part of the reason we know about it even if we haven't watched it is everyone's been talking about it everyone's been sharing this video or even if they don't share the video they've been referencing in tweets and that's you know maybe part of the reason why these two guys put this video out there was to sort of gain notoriety so if we didn't talk about it then maybe it wouldn't keep happening um but there is also sort of i think sometimes i think there's also like a balance with leaking you know most of the time if it's say you know to use fortnite because i think there's two really distinct things there if it's like a skin i feel like most fortnite skins are fun to leak because you can you can get a little bit hype there's that element of you know has this person just doctored this image you know uh, for the upcoming season five there have been a couple of people suggesting yeah that like the mandalorian's going to be coming out as a skin and while some of the images look real it's and they seem to come from credible sources it's also like well you know this all this uh, one or two of the images i thought well that looks a lot just like someone's you know uh, photoshops the png it doesn't actually look that much like a typical <laughs> Fortnite skin graphics to me um so you know has someone just made this up and th there's that fun back and forth trying to work it out but then when it gets really in depth particularly about like this big event which everyone's been hyping up and building up it can be really a, a bit disappointing to be like oh well that we've now know all these audio files and we have all of this stuff we kind of know what's going to happen and i think it does kind of ruin the moment for you and these people then do feel really smug as you say ollie it's like come on guy just like let us be fun or it's like if you know something big's happening at the game awards like don't hint that it's going to be something's going to be there like let us find out because i think that would be so much better than yeah someone sort of pre-warning you that something cool is going to happen which i think what a good example was was the, the super smash Bros. ultimate reveal no one well people saw it come but no one no exactly. one was that yeah like the it. everyone is here thing like no one expected that and it is sort of this get hype moment of like oh damn like this is uh, this is amazing you know, I, they, the best reveals are the ones that just take you out of left field in the best kind of ways. Uh, but yeah, I, I think that it, there's, I think there's, there's definitely this balance with leaking. But I think yeah. when it comes to sort of big story stuff, you, you really should just leave it alone. But yeah, then try not, if it does happen, try not to engage with it. Because also the problem with online stuff is if you engage with something, like you comment on it, suddenly Twitter thinks, ah, oh, this is important. It starts bumping up the rankings. And then suddenly you've kind of had the reverse effect of making it really prominent. Definitely. Um, and in terms, yeah, of, though, in terms of, of link, do you guys think of leaks when, um, well, when it just turns out to not be true? Because I can't remember the amount of times me and Ollie have actually had the conversation <laughs> of um, if, if Silent Hill gets announced at this event, uh, can I do an article on it, please? I think we've <laughs> at least three times I've sent that you, message yeah. to him. It, it's, always, so, it's always the 4chan leaks as well. It's always 4chan. Never trust anything <laughs> on 4chan in the games industry. I, that's that's my rule now. I I can't remember where I've seen these sources from, but there have been just any kind of rumors about Silent Hill like coming back up <laughs> about Sony potentially buying the Silent Hill IP. All of these, or Sony being some sort of mediator, please work with Hideo Kojima again. He was so reliably bangable for you guys. Please do something with your IP. I think, yeah, I think lots of them are more leaks in the hope that it happens rather than leaks <laughs> that actually will. If we be speak true. it into existence, yeah, then it should you know, happen. If, right? if they you know. if they do these things and they get it trending, they're like hoping, oh, maybe you know, maybe it might happen. You know, after after Xbox bought Bethesda, and everyone was like, oh, you know. Sony, please buy Konami. Sony's going to buy Konami in response, and they got it trending. I think some people were hoping it would lead to Sony being like, 
well, these people want us to buy Konami. We might as well do it. <laughs> might as well not. The purchase doesn't happen overnight, particularly two massive companies. Like, yeah. Like, how old was the Bethesda one? It was. It was like probably a year. Or I mean, it's not even finished yet. You know, it'll finish halfway exactly. through next year, so it'll be a waste. So, right. It's it, one it of these yeah, things. Um, yeah. yeah, I always feel like if. Uh, with a leak it's sort of like well uh, if I've got to look at something it's like well what's this person's track record if it's decent then you know nine times out of ten they're probably going to be right um, and if they're wrong then they're often just wrong on their timing so like sometimes it's been oh this is coming in the next patch and it might not come in the next patch it might come in the one after that um, so it's there's still some credibility there um, for these other ones then like the the uh, buying of konami properties whatever it's like well what's actually been said and what's actually happening okay and then how much of this is people just really wanting something to exist and how much is it me wanting it to exist or someone else wanting to exist it's sometimes it can be worth talking about it but then also just sort of throwing in yeah there's this huge you know not just pinch of salt like mountain of salt that you've got to <laughs> take with this because otherwise uh you, yeah. you know except there's a lot of us w hoping to will it into existence rather than it necessarily already being true. Definitely. Uh, and then I feel like we've got our, I think it's our last news story of the day. Uh, yeah, it is, it's, it's our last yep. news story of the day. And then... uh, it's kind of one on like Twitter outrage, but in a very different way. Uh, it's all against Nintendo this time. They, they do crop up, don't worry everyone. It is that uh, the big house uh, Smash Bros competition has had to be cancelled this year. Uh, that's because, you know, obviously COVID-19, people can't meet up in person. So if you want to play uh, a fighting game, you have to, you know, play it online. Uh, and for some games that works really, really well. But unfortunately for Super Smash Bros. Melee, uh, you can't play that online. Uh, so they were trying to use sort of a, um, a ROM of it and a slippy online mod, as it's called. And based Nintendo went you can't do that and have banned the tournament from being able to happen this yeah. year effectively. So that the cease and desist. Yeah, um, look, Nintendo love that. Love sending cease and desists out. They love sending out these, the, the Nintendo ninjas or the lawyers who are behind these. They are, for the company who who are seen as a sort of wholesome, friendly, friendly face of gaming, they, they are very hard, not hard, that's not probably the right word. They are very tight on a, some of these sort of Things which might be, uh, I mean, fair enough, might be misusing their prop software. But Super Smash Bros. Melee is, it's a staple. I'm going to trigger a lot of fighting game fans if I say it's a staple of the fighting game um, community because lots of people don't think it's a fighting game, the Smash Bros. games. Um, but, you know, it's one of these iconic, it, it's, a, it's a whole big thing. People people are very, very, very angry <laughs> about this. And, you know, we could have someone on to debate this and it would be very interesting. Um, but people, you know, Melee is an iconic franchise. You know, you you listen to one of the biggest memes in gaming is the Wombo Combo. Everyone knows the Wombo Combo, so all <laughs> these type things, you know. Um, and it's one of these things, and obviously because it's a, I don't know when it was released, two thousand three maybe. It was an Xbox. No, wow, that's wrong. GameCube game. Yeah. Um, it's a GameCube game, so it doesn't have internet. It never was released with an internet patch. Nintendo. Obviously, have never released this game again. Have not remastered it, not remade it. <laughs> 2001, There we are. Yeah, they've never remade old. this game. Exactly. Nineteen like, years. This is where I'm with you at it because it's a it's a game that people really like playing, and it's not going to get remade because Nintendo. There's no point in remaking it. As far as Nintendo kind of sees it, they've got 
the next Smash Bros. Melee remake. It's Smash Bros. Ultimate because it has all the characters in and, and all of that stuff. And But obviously for fans, it plays differently and it, all the characters work differently. It's all the mechanics. It, I feel like it would almost be impossible to remake. Yeah, if it was remade, if it was remade or remastered, they'd have to leave every single mechanic alone. Like it would literally just have to be like a they're here, we'll add a, we'll add online, but and then, we yeah. might make the skins look better. But even then, like, but yeah, even if they change the skins, that could change the pixel measurements, the fans, like that could change even minor details. I feel like for some of these people, and so then at the end of the day, like for me seeing this, on the one hand, there is a thing about how you do have to protect your copyright. You know, um, part of the reason that some people often get angry at these companies like oh well you know why are you doing this it's like well because if they don't protect their copyright on this seemingly small infraction later down the line there could be a legal challenge against some larger infraction and they'd lose it so they have to do it on everything but then also then the other half of me goes well at the end of the day you're not making any money from smash bros melee anymore you know and no one is gonna no one is gonna no one can buy a copy of melee really you know and if they do they won't be giving money to nintendo it'll be you know making let people do this and i don't feel like someone's going to pick up melee at the expense of picking up um uh super smash bros ultimate they're they're servicing such different events and like if you've got a big tournament or event you know these can be these moments where it's like oh well that looks really cool you know that person doing that awesome combo maybe this is a game that i want to get into or i want to invest in this game even if i already have it and that's really awesome for people so then obviously online tournaments can't really uh, online tournaments are the only option this year so then to stop one of these tournaments for one of your games sort of happening and being allowed to happen seems like a pretty dick move you know just let people play video games nintendo really definitely it's 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 a real shame yeah i disagree with ollie in terms of smash bros as a franchise being kind of cornerstones uh well yeah a cornerstone fighting game um genre i would say that melee definitely for its history and its legacy uh, is. I think, um, yeah, the only real way that Nintendo can make money off of this, as you guys have said, is remaking it. But I think Nintendo, out of major um, the major console manufacturers and major publishers in general, are the ones who are kind of the most averse to esports and haven't really tapped into it yet. But I suppose, like, what is there to make an esport out of, really, apart from Smash as a franchise and Splatoon as a franchise? Yeah, they, they 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 I don't they've had a very weird relationship with um sort of competitive gaming. You know, they 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 say they support it, but I don't think they've I don't know if it's they don't fully understand it properly yet. Um, they don't really want or they don't want to engage with the sort of communities behind these things. But you know, it was just they want to make sure uh, people wear, have yeah. showers. Nintendo players have to have showers. <laughs> that's in like the contract if you read it. Uh, so that's why they always get angry about it. Of course, of course. <laughs> I really hope we don't have any Super Smash Bros. players listening to this today. Uh, it's, it's the meme. It's the they'll, meme. Be, they'll, be too, they'll be too busy <laughs> tweeting to Nintendo about them yeah, not exactly. playing Super Smash Bros. So. They're not paying attention. <laughs> can, I, can I talk about another, just as I remember, like another kind of dick Nintendo thing. Talking about Pokemon. Uh, Pokemon Go has just I added connectivity see... Ooh, to Pokemon, Pokemon Home. Pokemon Go, Pokemon Home. So you can send Pokemon from Pokemon Go to Pokemon Home. Uh, but they haven't really done energy system that can take like a week to recharge and so you can only send i think you can send like five four or five shiny pokemon a week or one shiny legendary pokemon or otherwise you can just send as many other pokemon as you want but considering that really to be able to send loads of pokemon you have to be paying for pokemon home 
and which I I, I do because I want to make sure I you know I can keep all my Pokemon safe. It's really then kind of rubbish that I can send like four or so Pokemon a week because the, the shiny ones are the one you, ones you want to send over to add to your collection. At least I do, and it, it's just it's a real shame. And or if you want to do it faster than a week, you have to pay like quite a bit of money to be able to afford the coins. Or that's that's what it comes down to. The bottom the bottom line. Yeah. They're making that money from nostalgic Pokemon fans wanting to add, or just you know, Pokemon fans wanting to get all these ones transferred across. Yeah, it doesn't just... doesn't surprise me. You know, they, they they do love the Pokemon franchise, getting loads of as much money as they can from what is probably their biggest franchise. So, po- Nintendo, sad. Nintendo, yes. Oh, oh dear. Well, we're, we're well, gonna well. we can put Nintendo behind us now and move <laughs> away from their sort of online. You know, if you ever played the Super Smash Bros. story, you'll know they're less than impressive single-player online story modes. Uh, no. Um, Super Smash Bros. I think Super Smash Bros. Brawl had one of the best Super, stories Super Space in any video game was, ever. Was okay. It was okay. Well, okay. I'll look at so that. boring. I've like, I played it. Yeah. It's a bit generic. So boring. We can move on to <laughs> yes. James's favorite topic. Sonic Narrowly shows up right he helps them defeat Taboo. <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> hey, was just stop talking. <laughs> <laughs> they had you to know. go fast to beat the cool blue guy. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, I don't I don't agree with you here, Hamish. I know. Before we get bogged down on the, the specifics of this and fully detailed analysis of a subspace emery campaign, we can we'll introduce you now, James is obviously we talked about the star he introduced himself as the film editor and you know fully on brand for that role you know we've had many discussions in the past about the narrative um sort of way games portray themselves and narratives uh developed putting game the narratives which are sort of reinforced in these games and how well they translate into games um so just to just to start us off here because i know this it's a big topic you know narrative in video games is, you know, sometimes companies have hundreds if not thousands of people writing these narratives in their games so Tim, just to get your thoughts on where you stand generically on narratives in video games what is more important to you in a game the narrative or the gameplay um i think that's a bit of a loaded question and i don't like the I uh, I don't like the assumption that um, there necessarily has to be a compromise because I think the very best in narrative games make sure that um, in terms of the gameplay uh, and story and the themes that it's meant to represent, um, the way that you interact with the world is reflected in your character's journey, um, be that like an established character like in either Spec Ops The Line or Silent Hill 2. Um, or, um, you know, if it's an RPG as well, it's kind of this very organic you exploring the world um, idea behind it. Instead, think the early Fallout or um, Disco Elysium, uh, Elysium even, I always mispronounce that. And there doesn't necessarily need to be this kind of compromise between story and gameplay. Um, especially when you think within gameplay, there's then the established atmosphere um, that comes from the music, the sound effects and a whole the visual style a whole number of other kind of little things as well and kind of like movement animations as well and startup frames for fighting attacks and things like that which can really define an atmosphere and really kind of convey about your character about the location of the game 
about the story, about the themes that the game's trying to uh, trying to convey. Um, and I don't think that necessarily needs to lead to a compromise between um, story and gameplay. Rather, I'd say that it enhances both of them for the fact that you're using um, elements of a video game, which you would not get if the genre wasn't as interactive mm -hmm. as it was. Um, whereas, you know, if you try and convey these in a film, obviously you have kind of all the facets that a video game do, minus the interactability. Um, it's the games that really then go on to use that interactability, which I think produce the best stories and the most impactful experiences, in my opinion. So what what game would you say is, you know, your quintessential, the game which the uses... Two. You know the answer. Yeah. Which uses a narrative and the gameplay together. Silent Hill Two, you would say, makes make, what. Yeah. Just for those who aren't familiar with Silent Hill Two, what what is the sort of why is it such an impactful? You know, it gets these people. It gets you involved in both the story and the gameplay in sort of symbiotic relationship. What's what makes it so good to you? Well, the thing is, is you play it, and by today's standards, the gameplay is quite clunky in terms of using tank controls and also in terms of how bad James Sunderland is when it comes to actual combat scenarios. So really, what's going on here when you're actually fighting one of these creatures? What I said about startup frames, I saw a whole YouTube video about this, and I was absolutely fascinated. James Sunderland's like startup frames are so much slower than, say, for example, Link's are in throughout like the Legend of Zelda game, because he is basically like you want him portrayed as this completely helpless man alone in this town where a whole bunch of monstrosities are after him, right? And and so that's that's what I think really kind of adds to the loneliness there. Um, in terms of uh, well, how it uses general silent, um, not Silent Hill horror, um, survival horror tropes. In terms of basically, you're you're running around certain buildings, uh, assembling items, and it's kind of adventure gamey logic in places. But it's finding like a bunch of coins that you slot into a wall and it gives you some key, and then you explore a bunch of other places. And eventually, you open a box, gives you another key <laughs> that lets you finally leave the building. Um, and it's, it's all about that kind of feeling of also um, not only having to deal with the monsters uh, there uh, that you can see actively around the place. Um, I think in terms of the, you know, Pyramid Head as well being the absolute icon he is, um, yes. not only of the Silent Hill franchise, but survival horror in general. An iconic um, video game character, definitely. Yeah, yeah completely. Um, the, the way you're introduced to him um, is outside of a cutscene. You go back to this place where you've been before, having collected an item, and he's just behind this other side of a cage. And all he does is just stand there and look at you. And it's so genius because suddenly, like in the back of your mind, you're just like, this guy's stalking me. And then you get an actual introduction of him in a cutscene. And the, the contents of the cutscene are probably too explicit for me to mention here. <laughs> it's very violent. Um, um, and from there, at other points in the game, he just pops up randomly um, and, you know, and comes to completely terrorize you. And um, I think that's other element to it of adding to the helplessness and being stalked by someone who could clearly have okay. you on toast if he wanted. It's really what makes um, the gameplay so powerful. Um, and the story itself is 
about James trying to find his dead wife. Um, and when you replay it, you realize kind of the symbolism that's dropped in throughout all like aspects of the game in terms of um, the setting, in terms of notes that you find scattered around the place, in terms of even the monster design and what it represents in uh, James's story. Um, so the symbolism uh, of the of the themes that are um, being conveyed as well, it's got this real kind of balance of the surface of actually playing the game being incredibly terrifying versus, uh, along with this kind of symbolic narrative that's going on under the hood makes it that makes it stick with you um, yeah. so powerfully after the fact as well and how it deals with kind of very human themes of guilt and lust and those other yeah. things so as well. It, it does yeah. present a powerful sort of storyline that resonates with you is, is what you would sort of say and that's that's enhanced by the gameplay because definitely yeah and it, it's it's a you know i agree with you it's very ingenious movies and you know and one of the topic which we can you know i think we've talked about before which you yes. you know i'd love to hear your thoughts about is sort of how hard it is for developers to strike this balance uh, or to find this perfect sort of niche where you can create a game where you have the gameplay you know it's all uh, have the gameplay complementing the narrative and vice versa um, and i think it's the, the term which is used sort of if uh, i give a very simplified uh, uh, clunky definition there of lunar narrative dissonance so the idea of where you have a narrative which you know goes one way and this is just not reflected in the gameplay at all um james so you know we've talked about this in the past losing narrative yes. business does does this matter to you if you play a game and you know the narrative so i think the example which everyone always uses is uncharted 4 if your gameplay is so unconnected in terms of your character acts Just one way in general in really yeah. yeah acts one way in a cutscene and acts a completely different way when you're playing them does that for you take it take the you know mean narratives and games can never truly unless they sort of solve this issue they can never be as good as like a, a film or a tv show for example is it always going to limit the ability of a game to tell a story if ultimately players have this choice to not follow the storyline as in the character would actually do so um i think the thing is with ludo narrative dissonance is i think uncharted in the context you mentioned it would be um not the example i go for because uncharted basically you're meant to be this happy-go-lucky adventurer you are a mass murdering machine and you never seem to show any form of yeah. guilt for all of the lives that you've ended which is the part that <laughs> i find kind of most extraordinary about it and that's the part that's always the most puzzling when you actually go back and look at it. Um, I think the problem with Uncharted as well is that its gameplay was really kind of, was never that innovative in terms of its climbing and its shooting and everything. The only thing really ever going for it was the story. And once it was yeah, repeating itself... Yeah, 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 to be fair. Once it was really repeating itself in Uncharted 3 and then tried to retcon a brother in for Uncharted 4, um, just remember being really bored like with both of those games uncharted one and two i both really enjoyed but i don't want to replay them because i probably wouldn't like them if i replayed them <laughs> i think in terms of what you were suggesting with um with having a choice um what i'd use as an example um in terms of dissonance in that sense would be 
Watchdog and Watchdogs 2, because Watchdogs 2 especially, you're meant to be this happy-go-lucky vigilante, and you're meant to be also worse than the bad guys. As soon as you load up into the game, you can just, nothing like, nothing is stopping you from just jump, like, carjacking someone, and then just running over as many people as you want. And even in Aidan Pierce's story, like, the whole idea is that he's avenging his niece. If he then just, like, you fully have the power to just get out of your car, just up your pistol and then just shoot down people in the streets and then suddenly the character's becoming a lot less sympathetic <laughs> but what I like because about... you're just mowing down people i don't know whether it had in watchdogs too but i'm one of the things i really liked about watchdogs was it gave you choices throughout and actually you could go out and mow people down the street but then the way that people perceive you lowers and you get seen less of i think I tried to play as like a good guy, so like a vigilante, so I preferred weapons that didn't kill. They just like knocked people unconscious uh, and tried to like keep casualties to a like a zero minimum. Uh, and whereas you know, yeah, so but it had like a, a a scale. You know, if you were a bad guy, you know, I think it meant that cops were more likely to get called on you. You were likely to be recognised in the street. Whereas if you were playing like a good way, uh, then you you have this other option. I think I I don't know. I think it in that way it tried to introduce this kind of idea it was like you know it's like the batman thing do you you know when in some batman universes his parents get killed and he's trying to avenge their deaths so he goes like, i'm not going to kill people whereas in some other franchises he goes out and wants to you know do the harm that was done to him so i think i think there's like two options there where you can sort of take whichever road you want and i, I don't know that for me um, that feels really really fun and that adds to the the gameplay of it when you get that choice yeah, well, this is this is another thing with interactive narratives is, of course, that you can then have these games which branch out and have some sort of choice, which then go on to personalise the narrative. Um, in that sense, I don't think the first Watchdogs really did enough of that, especially yeah. in key story missions, to completely validate your point. But um, yeah, I certainly understand where you're going with that. Um, yeah, I, I certainly I, I... agree that had it. I remember like some of like the the overarching stuff. I think there are other like there were other parts in the game where I was like, oh yeah, there's not it's not really that deep. I think it stuck with me a lot because it was one of the f it was like one of the first few games that I'd played where like my actions impact the story, and that was me missing out on like other game like other RPGs along the way that had, like had that big an impact. You know, RPGs that I were used to were games like Legend of Zelda, where like you really only have one option. You just you have to go and save the princess at some point. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I think Watch Dogs, had it had like more of that choice, especially within main story missions, which I don't remember it having. Um, I, I played that last, game a couple I of times. Only, the only one was the last mission, was you had actual an actual choice. You could choose well, whether I, to I, kill the guy that had murdered your niece, or was involved in the death of your niece, I think. That was it. Uh, well, you could choose to stop his pacifier, couldn't you? Yeah, so you could choose to no, his pacemaker, one. that's the one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't realise that was a choice, I just killed him. Um, so, I never even realised that was a choice, but yeah, having it once yeah, having it once right at the end, I just thought it was quite clever as a method of killing him. You think he's back in his like little glass cage and he thinks he's completely safe, but he doesn't realise that you can hack his pacemaker. I thought that was really cool. Yeah, no, I thought that was cool as well. I yeah. Think there's also really cool things. I mean, because now, you know, there's lots of these big uh, choice games like you've, you know, um, Telltale, when they were around, I guess they're kind of coming back and like Don't Nod have made their living on games where you can sort of like choose the narrative. And I guess in that way, though, like, there, it's a it. 
I feel like there are some elements that I do like where they have tried to make those games feel like a little bit more real. You know, you can't just wait on a decision for like five minutes and try to work out all the options. They've introduced a slow like ticking time down time bar and actually not giving a response in like a, a normal period of time can then mean that different things will happen as well. Like I think that that's really, really cool as well. Cause I think, you know, giving players a choice can make a game feel a bit more real. You know, I've talked a lot about Destiny 2 uh, a lot um, recently cause it's what I've been playing. And actually it's, it's only just occurred to me that it's not an RPG. A lot of people call it an, uh, like trying to play it being an MMO, but it's really not because you don't get to make the decision in the story. You know, if I was playing this, uh, there are, you know, basically at the end of the Forsaken DLC, which is a bit old at this point, you it's assumed that you uh, killed the person that killed Cade and you just complete your like vendetta against this person. So you, you become a murderer effectively rather than just a savior. And then the most recent game, you have to, the update is you have to take on the power of darkness. You don't get to choose to remain a guardian of the light. You have to choose the darkness. Otherwise you don't get to continue the campaign. And so... In the one hand, it's, it's been kind of fun actually getting to play as this, but then also it's that dissonance between less on the gameplay and the story, but on me and the character I'd want to play. Because it's like, I'm not, I've, I, it, it's always felt like, oh, I can make my choices. But then it sort of occurs to me as well, no, I don't. I'm playing the story that Bungie want me to play. And the character that Bungie want me to play is this person that will enact their revenge. And, you know, for the sake of trying to protect people, will do whatever it takes, which includes working with, you know, the bad guys. In yeah, this so... I I think the question, I guess, we could ask sort of now from what you guys have said, you know, you've been talking about these games which they sort of force you into this sort of line of a story, a very linear sort of this is how it's going to play, you know. I think um, if you know a YouTuber called Nakey Jakey, um, it's a very niche reference. His sort of idea is the way he's, example is Red Dead Redemption 2, if you've ever played that. Um, going back to Hamish, you'll have a lot of these Lego blocks. His idea is you have a game and games and open worlds and sandboxes these games are like a big bucket of lego you know so you have a big bucket of lego and you get to put all these pieces together make a house or make whatever you want and loads of people enjoy doing that on the other hand you have all these other games which are a lego set they are the um the sesame street ones which you got they are the mandalorian ships you know and it tells you how to make these games and it tells you how to do these stories and I guess, you know, the most popular, what Lego now does is all these, it makes these sets, it makes these, these are the ones which sell. And I think it translates to games. So is it hard, James, would you say it's, is it too difficult, you know, especially for smaller studios like indie studios or studios where they might not be as experienced, they might have not made as many games in the past, to make these sort of storylines where they're branching out or they give them choices? Is it hard to make these as entertaining or as satisfying um, sort of storylines where you can, no matter how you play it, you could go over a different storyline, but ultimately it has to be entertaining. Do you think it's a really hard sort of thing, or what? What should game studios do to make sure they can strike that balance between making it entertaining, but also making it customizable and personal? That's a really good question. Um, I think that don't necessarily need to have both in the game because if we go back to silent hill 2 as an example that's as linear as you can get right and it's it's the it is the sole reason when where um whenever like linear versus open world or non-linear or whatever comes up as a conversation i hate that conversation it's, it's whoever's, a, yeah. whoever's 
whoever is trying to start that conversation needs to sit down, play Silent Hill 2, and come back to me and, like, you know, log out, just stop writing articles, temporarily go on some sort of research break, and just play some actually, like, really good linear games like that, like Spec Ops The Line as well, which has an element of choice but is predominantly linear for the most part. Even the first Call of Duty um, Modern Warfare is another really good example of a linear narrative. Then actually realize that that conversation is so pointless. Like these games all have their own place, right? When it comes to branching narratives instead, I think the best indie game example I can think of is Disco Elysium mentioned earlier. Um, you get so many like different conversation paths that you can go down. Um, and like so many different outcomes to different like key moments in that game, the story you know still continues on regardless. Um, you know it's it's very much structured off of like D and D, yeah. This like classic old school role playing game. You but obviously you're this detective in a sci fi world, and that game's absolutely brilliant. It's 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 one of my favorites. Um, played through it twice. Game always the same. Yeah. Um, I think there is depending on the check that you do with the cryptid but yes um the murder is the same every time okay because because that, that the cryptid was the thing i was wondering about because it's like because i um that i think i really I, there were I, for the most part i really enjoyed disco Elysium. i enjoyed that exploration side of things you mentioned it to dnd that's one thing like the sort of it focused on like the rp side of dnd you know who do you ask questions how do you approach asking them questions and that's the thing I love most about that tabletop game. So then playing a video game was awesome. Uh, the thing I did always struggle with, though, was there's so much text in Disco Elysium. And as a dyslexic, it can be really difficult to just get <laughs> lots, of, lots of white text. I think I said the one thing I would really need to be in the mood for it. Yeah. Yeah, it'd just be like really need I, to be in the mood. The wish, the one thing I wish they did was just like maybe have like a highlight function that would just be like, OK, we understand that you're you're meant to read through all of this but to help out some people like I mean, we'll just highlight the important bits of information so if you are in that mood where yeah. you just can't read like a whole paragraph we'll just be like okay here are a couple of lines that you are like the key yeah, information a, TD, a tldr sort of quick TLDR. Yeah, definitely i, I agree I with you if, like, um, my choices really mattered overall but i i also didn't mind i also am one of those people that doesn't always mind if sort of whether i've gone down the left road or the right road i still end up at the same destination like a lot of people say like oh you know it's a cheat at the end of this game it doesn't matter all my other decisions i think like mass effect 3 is one that people often think about it's just like at the end of the day my decisions don't matter because i still kind of get the same result just changes the color of this explosion or whatever but it's like well sure if you're playing it to just get from point a to point b but for me a lot of video game is i want to i enjoy those character interactions yeah they're not real but i enjoy getting to talk to somebody as i do like as in disco elysium like am i going gonna go and how am i gonna go and talk to these two kids in this in this sort of path next to this this dead man you know am i gonna am i gonna kind of go down to their level and act like a five-year-old am i gonna try and pretend to be an adult for five minutes uh and yeah i i think that it i i love that kind of element of it because it's it's so much fun to explore I think the thing is with Disco Elysium as well that it does so well and so uniquely is its story is because of this kind of well very wacky premise you've got so obliteratedly like drunk the night before that you've completely forgotten any sense of like who you are <laughs> I I really love this sense of um one 
with this rebuilding of this man, of his personal identity, um, and how his past like constantly comes back to haunt, comes back to to haunt him, and how you know the way that in gameplay taking drugs will actually boost your stats as well, so potentially kind of um, uh, you know, showing that like kind of this commentary on how bad like difficult it is to break this cycle of addiction that this man has gone down, especially with his like self-loathing and clearly just um, it's very well this lack of mental health in them and the element of being a detective so you're kind of exploring the highs and lows of this fictional society which obviously reflects real things about the society which we live in and i think is just a genius combination that makes it so interesting um throughout and just got engaging characters such very personalities and the writing is so strong throughout is what makes that truly special yeah. So yeah. another game with a, a branching narrative, which I'd say is probably the best example of where your choices really matter, um, is probably Undertale, um, which, of course, is yeah. a, an indie game as well. Um, I think it doesn't necessarily matter in terms of um, whether you want to go with a linear or um, a branching narrative, no matter who you are, but because... No, um, Toby Fox was just this guy. He's he's clearly a really creative guy, a very talented guy. And um, you know, Undertale was such a hit, um, you know, kind of off the back of him and the other people who helped him. Um, and same with the the comparatively small team that worked on Disco Elysium. These guys are just you know very creative, very talented people who managed to make these games. Which, you know, um, while they don't have the budgets of all these AAA games. Still managed to blow them out the water in terms of narrative richness and narrative quality. Undertale as well is another one of these games that I think has got a really strong symbolic narrative to it. Um, I I don't think the surface level narrative is as strong as people um, people think it is. I suppose the humor didn't really click with me was the mm -hmm. probably the main issue there. Um, I think that might say something about how bad my sense of humour is, though, because the only time I laughed was when I named my character Jeff at the start, and then the rest of it, um, I, I didn't laugh throughout. So that may just well be my fault more than anything else. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think in terms of making it entertaining, though, which was your question, um, I suppose the thing is, is that you... I suppose with these games, perhaps as well, you've got to realize that you're not appealing to every gamer um, because, you know, there are going to be people who play RPGs and really get into RPGs and love this fact that you can just sink yourself into this character and properly role play as them. There are going to be people, um, I suppose, like me, um, who, who prefer having these established characters that you're then filling in the shoes of. Um, you know, like James Sunderland, Sam Porter Bridges, uh, I suppose Batman in the Arkham trilogy as well is a good example. Um, Marie de Bois in Go Elysium. Um, so, yeah, that's probably how you kind of strike that balance. Is it? I think it depends on um, the developers themselves and the writers themselves and what they really want to go for. Just make something that they'd enjoy playing is is just yeah. I'd say my so advice would be, but. I have a question, uh, which because I, I, I um, I'm gonna try and link it to film, but if I get something wrong about like my knowledge, then whatever. But because you <laughs> talked about how like if you think, like some of these branching narrative games like uh, Disco Elysium, Undertale, I say to extend like games by like Don't Nod, like Life is Strange, which is kind of indie in, in a way. 
Um, but the fact that they can sort of, because in my head, it thinking, well, like the thing that doesn't maybe cost as much to do would be just writing out more stuff. Like you can you can write out or more and more pages, whereas you know trying to get these really high complex graphics and um, physics engines and all of that would take a lot of development time and um, and a, a huge amount of budget. So for these indie games, they can they can do that because they have to focus on their story and their plot because that's that's really the key thing that's going for them. And sort of, do you think that's then the benefit of going indie? Because also when you think about films, like a lot of people might think of like the Marvel films, like these big blockbuster but um, awesome spectacles. They're brilliant to watch, but they fall into the trap of being a little bit too samey because they want to play it safe. Whereas if you then look at some of these smaller films, they're the ones that are going to go go out and do well at big awards or you know like at the oscars or you know at festivals and people are going to really resonate with those because they're willing to take a risk uh because that's the risk is the thing that's going to get them noticed pulling off well rather than because they can't afford you know the best cgi in the world or, or any of that kind of stuff i think that's sort of like a factor sort of like focusing what you can do with your money and therefore you have to be good at the things you can do yeah, um, I, I definitely agree. And I suppose having that kind of constraint there is also something to help in terms of with um, your creativity as well. Right? Um, I think it's those kind of constraints that you, you know, people being creative and trying to work and get past uh, these constraints as well. I suppose you then do have to um, code in these, these scenes in the branching narrative. Yeah, and the issue that I think with especially Telltale got towards before they um they had to close down, main thing was is the choice kind of felt like a gimmick by that point. Um, I think the two best games that have done the Telltale style game have to be Life is Strange, but I'm going to qualify that and say only Life is Strange episodes one to four. Um, if if I were to recommend Life is Strange to someone, I would say ignore all of the parts of the story about Arcadia Bay being destroyed, that storm is not happening, and make up your own ending to episode five. Um, because I think episode five is just so like bad in terms of how it concludes the whole season. And um, okay. uh, like it, um, I think it, it seemed a bit like... What really annoyed me was um, I, I did enjoy it when it decided with the science... Um, is just have these time bending powers and get into this high school drama because the central relationship between Max and Chloe is so powerful and um, really charming and you really come to care for those two characters and most of the supporting cast as well um, and I think that's probably like one of the most powerful leading duos in in any sort of game um, even even though the ending the ending final choice which I won't spoil was in my mind a, a complete abuse of then deciding now nah, we're going to actually try and explain chaos theory but in that bastardized media way that it always gets explained about the butterfly flapping its wings or whatever uh that uh, that really upset me to be honest yeah, like more than more than the uh, look that really annoyed me um and i still you know i still felt bad with the decision i made of um w whichever one it may be um uh, yeah, the other one I will say, uh, the first season of The Walking Dead was also the one where maybe because that was probably the first one I played or one of the first I played with the choices element going on. Um, so I was really impressed by that. 
but also it just had a strong cast of characters with it as well, which I think those those games live or die on, um, as well as making sure the choices don't feel gimmicky. You just want that really strong cast of characters. So the yeah. Tales of the Borderlands, Tales from the Borderlands is fine. Um, Batman one's rubbish. I really hated that one, and I love oh, Batman. I really liked so, the Batman uh, ones. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say, oh, I'm gonna, I really no. enjoyed it. I didn't like it. I like the one choice where you could choose, where you could choose to impale Falcone on that, um, on that bit of building that had fallen off, or you could just choose to spare it. Because I like the idea of Batman just like really losing it and deciding he'd make a symbol of Falcone <laughs> by impaling him on that spike. Um, that that one thing I thought was kind of like peak Batman in a sense, but yeah, just the rest of the time, yeah, I I didn't particularly enjoy it. No. But. I, I enjoyed it from the comic book aspect. I'd say, um, I also, in many ways, I really pref I preferred Before the Storm to the original Life is Strange, I think, because it had a lot of those good elements. And I, I don't know, like it felt, because it didn't, it didn't really have the magic powers involved, it felt a lot, it felt a bit more grounded. But it's a prequel, so you kind of know what's going to happen to some of these characters. Like, um, it focuses on, oh, my headphone fell out, focuses on Chloe and Rachel. Um, and obviously, like you know, the whole time that it's not going to end well for at least one of those characters, um, and that's that. I thought that was a, that was a really fun thing. Um, I haven't finished Life is Strange two, but that seemed good as well. I liked the um, the parallels it was doing with like immigration and stuff. Um, and then tell me why is I've played the first episode and I've really liked it so far. It's a it's a bit weird. I I feel like I know a little bit to start making guesses, but not enough to know really what's going on so i want to pursue that further nice yes yeah, so before we run Damn, out of time so much about this. We've, you know <laughs> some very good discussions here um i think the, the final the final thing we'll say which because i don't want to spend too much time on it because it's been it's one of these topics which is always overplayed and always sort of satirized and then repeated and repeated and repeated and getting the games and the wider games sort of thing what can a game be an artistic expression you know can a can a video game narrative be art to you yes yes, yes it can <laughs> hate this question because it's a very simple <laughs> answer <questions>. yes <laughs> yes such an awful but because i think I have, you have to ask it but yes as as gamers as we are <laughs> and i hate using that word it's become I so tainted i never use we, but yeah exactly like this is the thing it carries so many it, it <laughs> carries so many bad connotations as well as the gaming community in general and people's prejudices towards interactive narratives um are, are well are tainted by games like call of duty and things like that which don't really aim for that they just aim to let you just shoot up places and you've also got games like fifa as well which are basically just made to scam kids did you never play the journey and you clearly are missing out on it i played i played all three journeys and i don't know why i just genuinely don't know why i did it to myself um, i wanted to test the level of detail in it so i scored no goal in the demo i scored a no goal in the demo just to see whether they taught, asked me about it or not and they just didn't and it's like you literally just watched me run the ball into my own net great job mate great and, job you watched all of my other teammates 
watch me run the ball into my own net. Do you not think Gary Lineker and the boys are going to have some questions to ask about this teenager on his debut just running the ball into his net to make it 2-1 to the other team? <laughs> like, I'm surprised no, yeah, they didn't, because I feel like that's the sort of thing that you'd put an Easter egg in at least, like some kind of... Yeah, come on. They'd have thought that's about just... it. Then that'd be you had other things like, like that. Oh, if you run the ball into your own net, they make fun of you. And it, nothing, like nothing, changed with the story, no matter what. Like um, maybe based on performance, like Alex Hunter's a bit sad in places, but um, there wasn't enough detail there. And with the press conferences as well, it's so silly. Even in like the new FIFA's career mode, um, my brother was telling me about this, how he was selecting things randomly, um, and he got asked about Dominic Calvert Lewin playing for Everton in his Arsenal career mode when he just beat Everton three 0 by selecting something randomly his manager then said it was a joy to watch him play which when you think about it is one of the most disrespectful things to say about an opposition striker when their team has just lost 3-0 i love to see that. that's absolute <laughs> mind game that is oh. yeah yeah no but yeah do you... yes can be art um play silent hill 2 play disco elysium play death stranding um death stranding in terms of its gameplay a lot of people think it's boring i think oh, it's awesome. a really good way really good way of reflecting the theme of isolation um when you're just kind of on your own that entire time having to walk through it's really meditative in that sense i think it's a really mature game um uh, obviously not a lot of people have the time or attention span for and like fair enough if you don't um won't begrudge you too much but for me personally i thought it was absolutely brilliant fantastic game uh, disappointing ending section <laughs> oh, i quite like the ending section it was good fun oh, um, some of the yeah some of the some of the symbolism gets really on the nose but it's just not kojima without some stupidly on the nose yes symbolism. Like, what do you expect? when he was like the right thing in there yeah there we have it in video it. game good yeah. video games art silent hill play you know, watch out! Watch out for it at this year's Game Awards. My prediction is, it will be there. Okay. I think will, me and Silent Hill. James will buy the PS5 when, is the when game he sees Awards? that. Um, it's a couple of weeks, I think. Nah, I want to say thirteenth. I always so. felt like the award, like the nomination. Yeah, I always felt like the nominations came out really close to it, but I, I just thought it was closer. Yes. So, we, if you if you are, uh, you know. We'll, we'll see in a few weeks if James decides to buy a PS5. Should we do a watch now? What time is it in the UK? Oh, wait. Oh, no. It's, it's, it's late in the UK. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's look, Friday. My sleep schedule so my sleep schedule so ruined that I am happy to join in any sort I mean, of watch like, along. It will be a Friday. It will be a Friday at midnight. Oh, no. At 12 a.m. Wait, is it? Yeah. Is it midnight in the morning? Or... In the morning, yeah. It's at midnight for us. I know that because it, it was last year. Okay, but is it going to be midnight on or like morning Friday or evening like late after like late night Friday going into Saturday? Because if it's Thursday into Friday, I probably can't. But if it's Friday into Saturday, we we actually we could take Saturday right Saturday. Uh, I think it is. It's on a Friday night. Friday night. So we my we, best we Hamish impression. If he can't be here. <laughs> there we midnight, are. Midnight, you almost got the hair. The hair's quite similar. <laughs> yeah, it's it's on its okay. way, yeah. yeah. Right, right, before... We need to talk about Celeste every other. Well, I didn't actually oh. do it this week. No, no, no Celeste this week, just Destiny. But that's, that, that's a game that ties in gameplay and narrative perfectly. It fits right into this topic. Right, um, before... I suppose 
started their own like topic which we haven't really covered and from software inspired games which are worth their own podcast which i'm happy to come back on if you want hey, there we are there we are we're, you know we always we're always happy to have people on again if not on on again twice they must hate us a bit but uh we're always happy to have more people on more than once before we go uh james you know i think this is something you when i came on your podcast is there anything you want to shout out give any uh sort of shout outs to what you're working on at the um, moment I am uh, working on on my degree, I suppose. It's what I'm working on. Shout out my lecturers, right? Shout out my assignments. Um, apart from that, if you follow me at uh, J underscore Palmer two, it's been a lot of complaints about like the state of uh, academic textbooks at the moment. Um, <laughs> very niche. They are quite disagreeable. Um, as well follow at boar film on twitter um at the boar film on instagram as well um we should actually have a youtube video out soon about a film called come and see which um on the subject of just narratives itself um that is one of the best narrative films of all time and anyone who watches it and says otherwise like my brother's a bit of an idiot so um <laughs> definitely recommend a watch one out the ball film podcast is is still about so uh if you, you know you can catch my episodes with ollie yeah, what, what you have that's, that's a very good one <laughs> one an absolutely beautiful one yeah well i just yeah that's the one i'd recommend as well uh hamish i i know you're a you're a big boy journalist now you're not a student like student journalist really like the rest of us so uh you know, maybe we'll have you on at some point as well if you really want, if, if you have the spare yeah, time. Yeah, sure. I, I have, what, like a following of maybe like three people, but I'll come on. I'll talk about, I'll talk about them. Usually, yeah. <laughs> uh. Good stuff. Well, is, is the audio cut out? No. All good. All good. Oh, all good. Just, I, I felt like everyone stopped talking. I was like, Wait, <laughs> the moment the moment silence happens it's the worst feeling in the world as my heart plummets um well it's been awesome having you on the show james thank you thank you a yeah, lot uh, i really enjoyed listening to like your thoughts about gameplay narrative and just all the game stuff it's been it's been fun um if you want to watch if you want to watch this show you've either been watching it live on twitch uh twitch.tv slash the hog podcast thank you so much for everybody uh, i've seen uh lucy xx2000 in the in the chat so thank you for, cha uh, for putting something in there uh you can also watch this uh, video later on youtube uh when it eventually gets uploaded internet problems and computer problems permitting i think i didn't get to upload last week's episode until today because of just things going wrong in everywhere um you can also check this out on anchor or other podcast services pretty much wherever you listen to podcasts is probably there uh give us a like a subscribe a comment a really whatever you want share us with your friends we're just having fun here talking about video games you can hear uh you know other bad takes you know all of our predictions for the game awards i i really hope we get them all right i'm gonna i feel like we might have got every single one of those predictions correct wrong. ollie i'm feeling <laughs> confident about it i think i've got all wrong <laughs> you know uh, I'm, I'm willing to I, i'm not willing to put any money on it but i, I think we could uh and uh, yeah we'll be back next week here on twitch at around sometime in the evening on a Thursday, seven between seven and thirty and eight will start. Uh, depends again technical problems, but you know we have fun keep, here. Keep your toes. Um, keep your toes. Yeah, we keep everyone on our toes. Uh, so until then, it is going to be a goodbye from me. Bye from me. Bye from me. Oh, right. See, see you guys later.
Bye, guys. Yeah. That's great. There we go.